Hello, Anne. How are you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing really good. Really good. I'm excited to talk to you about this play and this interesting field in theater that you, you work in and specialize in. I'm really excited to learn more about it. Yeah, so I grew up basically in Old Town Orange, um, so 10 minutes from Anaheim, and I was you know, born and raised there. I went to college in San Diego, so I spent you know, my, my whole life basically in Southern California, and then I moved to New York for three years, and then I moved to the UK, where I've been based for the last four years. Um, but I still come home often, which is really good fun. And uh, I'm now a voice and dialect coach. How did you get into this very, I would call it a niche field in the theater industry? And did you just jump into that? Or did you do any theater before that? So I went to UC San Diego, and they have an amazing theater department connected to the La Jolla Playhouse. And so I was doing theater there, but I also, I've always loved language. And so I decided to do a linguistics major as well. And so I was doing those two things side by side and everyone would ask me, you know, why are you doing those two things? They have nothing in common. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, just pick one. And <laughs> then I ended up finding this program. It was a master's program in the United Kingdom that is all about voice training for actors. So it's about coaching Shakespeare. It's about vocal health and projection and also about accents and dialects and how do you teach those to actors so they can use it in performance and that just seemed to combine those two fields really nicely uh, because it's all about how we use language to tell a story and that's what really interests me so even though I was doing some performing in New York um, I also got tired of working in a coffee shop like every actor has done at some point in their life and so now I get to work full-time in the arts and um, doing doing something that I really, really love. So yeah, it was kind of a, a slow discovery because as you said, it, it's kind of niche. No one really, I think, goes into it from the get-go. You don't really know it's something that you can do. So um, it's very interesting. You, you said you, you were originally did do some acting and stuff that on the side, but uh, now you're doing a lot more of this uh, voice work and dialect coach. Does that ever kind of stop you or as far as maybe thinking about still acting every once in a while do you still act every once in a while or is it kind yeah. of has it passed I don't know I think in some ways it's passed you know different doors open in our lives and we we go through them and so I feel like this door is opened in my life but I still act I think for fun because I think also as a voice coach you have to keep that muscle going so even if it's not something that I do all the time or do something uh, for, for a professional career. It's something that I have to be able to get inside of, you know, you can do an accent really, really well, but can you act in an accent? That's actually a totally different task mm, because yes. you have to be thinking about your acting intentions and the characters and the blocking. So, you know, I think it's really important. I think a lot of voice coaches, we still perform on the side because we have to keep that muscle going so that we can one have empathy for the people that we're coaching and two know how to coach as helpfully as possible i think it's so interesting people that get really really good with accents especially people from i've noticed from the uk and stuff like that you'll see some really great actors from the uk and i won't name any names but they're great actors and you're just like oh my gosh I thought they were American until you saw that interview. And then you were like, no, they're not American at all. Wow, that is a thick accent. That's, what he, how, he, that's how they talk when they're, when they're not relaxing, when they're not acting. 
and, and it also, I know, I know it's very difficult because these same actors, and I, like I said, I won't speak, say any names, but some actors that I really respect, I'll watch some of their stuff. And, you know, being a theater critic, I, uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I, I, I do get a little bit more critical sometimes. I try not to because sometimes if you get too critical, you can't enjoy the material. <laughs> but I will say there has been stuff. These are good actors, really solid actors where I've seen stuff and you're watching like mainstream stuff, big stuff. And you're like, oh, he slipped. Or she yeah. slipped and they left it in, you know, yeah. and, you know, some people will notice, I guess, and other people won't. And I'll be I'll, and I'll be honest. Yeah, some usually if it is a slip, it's very minor. And that's why that's why it was left in. And, you know, when it comes to film or anything like that or theater or whatever, so the theater for the one case, you could keep redoing. It. You have another night to redo it. But in the film, you got one take and they keep that yeah. in. And they got a lot of money. So they're like, man, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but we can't reshoot that. <laughs> so, exactly. so leave it in. Leave it in. I was like, oh, wow. Well, yeah, you got a little too comfortable with that S or whatever when you were when you were saying that that. No one from America sounds like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing on, on film. You know, we when I'm coaching on a film, you have to go in between each take, right? Because that's your only opportunity to, to redo the accent, right? As you said, yes. for theater, you get every night to redo it. And so I'll go in between a take, you know, they're getting their makeup done. I'm like, you know, practice a word or a line with them. And then I'll go back and we'll shoot it again. But at the end of the day, you've got, you know, at least six people going into the decision process of which take is going to be used in the film. So I, you know, I'll tell the script supervisor, oh, these takes were really good. But, you know, sometimes if something was out of place in the shot, she'll be like, well, we can't use that shot because this, you know, this prop was in the wrong place. Or, you know, oh, the director really likes this one. Is that good enough? And I'll be like, well, okay, I'll compromise on that one because, you know, the acting is still the most important thing at the end of the day but the accent is a part of that story right it can really distract us if the actor slips up and so it's quite complicated process in film to decide you know if we're going to use the the shot where they slipped up a bit because it's still the best shot so um how did you find the costa mesa playhouse and start working on this because you live for the most part now in london you're from orange the city of orange but um you haven't been here for a long time how did they track you down how did they find you for this production? Yeah, so my little brother is an actor. Uh, we're just family of creatives. And he was in the Costa Mesa Playhouse's production of The Whale last year and that did really well. And so he's been doing some social media stuff for them and he had posted about the show. And I love The Beauty Queen of Lanam. I love that show. It was a show that I worked on when I was in university. And it was the first time that I had learned how to do an Irish accent. And then now a decade later, that's my profession. That's what I do is teach accents. And so I was talking to my brother and I was like, oh, do you know if they are looking for an accent coach? And it turned out that apparently all the accent coaches in LA were really busy and and the director was having a hard time finding someone. And of course, I live in the UK, so I was able to find samples from Ireland, from real people in Ireland to send to them. And the amazing thing of Zoom is that I was able to do some Zoom sessions with them and coach via recordings as well, which actually ended up working out really, really well because we had a lot of one-to-one time with the actors, which sometimes when you're sharing the rehearsal space, you actually don't get to have that much. 
So it, it amazingly worked out really well, but it was just kind of happenstance that my brother posted about it and I happened to ask him because I have a soft spot for this play. Wow, that's amazing. Hold on, you said the entire thing was done over Zoom, your entire thing, you never came over and did it in person. Are you still in the UK right now? I'm in the UK right now, yeah. Oh yeah. So have did you ever come down to see a show the production have you are you planning on coming down have i unfortunately haven't been able to because i'm working on two shows here in the uk as well yeah. so what, what are you working on, on i'm working on matilda on the west end I love um, matilda. So I, i'm one of the oh. voice coaches it's oh a I, great love, show. I love that show my wife yeah. makes fun of me because it's one of my favorite musicals. I lo- I just love the music. I love the music and stuff like. That. She's like, out of all the musicals you pick, why did you pick that one? I I don't know. It touches it touches my heart. I really I really love that one. I saw it on Broadway. It, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely a fantastic show, and you know I get to watch it. Um, you know every couple of weeks because we take notes on the performances and make sure that all the voice and all the text is still up to up to scratch and all of that. And it's a really wonderful, wonderful show to coach on. And then the other show I'm coaching on is a, a slightly smaller theater and it's, but it's a brand new show. So it's a show between the Rose Theater and a company in Norway, the Norwegian Ibsen Theater Company. They've commissioned this piece to be written by um, a very good playwright called Nina Siegel. And so she's done this adaptation of Hedda Gabler. Oh. And so they're doing that that show. So it's it's kind of a, a modern retelling of Hedda Gabler, which has been such a joy to work on. And some of the characters are Norwegian and some of the characters are American, but all of the actors are British, except for one who is actually Norwegian. So that's been a really fun show to coach on as well. What's your experience being an American and being a dialect coach and living overseas and stuff like that? Um, is it difficult? Yeah, I mean, living overseas as a dialect coach, I mean, it's amazing because you have this plethora of resources and you really get to build, you know, we kind of build up a kind of little library of all of the sounds that we need, all the accents that we need, and you get to meet so many new people, which I think is my favorite part of this job is meeting people and getting to understand how they would describe their accents and study their accents and get to know what that means about their life and their culture and where they're from. Um, But also it's really interesting being an American and, you know, being in a place where my accent isn't the normal accents. And so people right away pick you out and they go, where are you from? And, And what's that like? So I think it's been really fun to also, yeah, be the person in question and know what that's like, because I think so many people have that experience. And I think a lot of times as Americans, when we've got this kind of um, what we might call a so-called general American accent, we maybe don't experience that. So it's it's quite interesting being on the other side of it, on the flip side. I definitely experienced that because I have a lot of family from Texas and and when they hear me me talk and stuff like that, they think they say I have an accent and I just I'm like, what accent? No way, I don't have an accent. But to them I have an accent because they talk because they have that very southern draw and stuff like that. And whenever my mom goes to Texas, all of a sudden it comes back. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, but it's, isn't but, it? But it wasn't but it's never there when she's not around our family. So uh, to me, it's suspect. 
but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we call code switching. So people mm-hmm. change the way they talk depending on who they're talking to. And it you know, really happens when you've got kind of a family accent, you know, and maybe somebody's unlearned that or learned a different accent to speak in other contexts. But as soon as they're back in that family context, they're going to speak in the way that they maybe grew up speaking. Um, so my partner is Northern Irish, and he does this a lot because he is a doctor and so he'll speak kind of with a lot of that kind of RP British sounds not entirely but closer to those sounds and then if he's talking to his dad on the phone I can't understand a word he's saying and I'm an accent coach you know it just really really changes all of the sounds um and it's just really incredible that people do that so seamlessly all the time but you're right it almost seems suspect it's how are you doing that how are you changing so quickly And is it authentic? And Mm -hmm. I think it is actually, I think it is authentic because it's different parts of ourselves that we have with different people, which is a really beautiful thing. So I hear a little bit of some, I guess, I don't know. It sounds to my my ears, English coming from you. So if I heard it from you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like you came from America, but you've been living (laughs) here. Is, is this the same process going on because you've been living over? I think so. It's it's a weird thing, right? Because you change some things and some sounds because people don't always understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I especially some sounds like my O sound, right? When I say so, it's it's a little different than it was yeah. before. And that's because certain words and certain contexts, people listen to you more if you say these sounds in a certain way. But certainly last summer, I did have the opportunity to go home to the States and I was home for a whole month and I came back and all of my friends were like, whoa, you sound extra American today. Um, You know, because even though I've changed some of my sounds, they're like my friends in the UK, they think I sound quite American still. But all of my American family is like, oh, that's, you know, you don't speak the same way that you used to. And so we all have these little changes that happen when we stay in a a place for a long time. So after working with uh, the Costa Mesa Playhouse and the actors on this production, how does it compare working with them compared to um, productions you've worked with, you know, productions overseas? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what was so lovely about this cast is that they were so aware of how far away geographically they are from this accent and that they really had a desire to make it really accurate and authentic which is something that I think UK actors sometimes just take for granted because they're so exposed to these accents all the time. So they're like, oh, I'll get it. It'll be fine. I know what that accent sounds like. But this group of actors, they wanted to know everything about where in Ireland it was from and how to use the language and how to be really exact in the sounds and to do it justice, which was really, really wonderful. It was just such a pleasure. And I think that that really gave the show something special. You know, just listening back to all of the rehearsal runs and to the dress runs and the the recordings, it's just really amazing what they were able to integrate into the show. And I think here, you know, sometimes you only get 30 minutes with an actor and sometimes an actor really does want to work and sometimes they're not as interested in, in the work because they, it might be an accent that they're familiar with or that they've done before. And so they may, might not put as much work into it. And so I think that was what was really special is that this cast, they were always WhatsApping me or voice noting me or asking me questions. And we did some really, really specific work 
but they still they didn't let that get in the way of the acting either I don't think which was really special do you have any tips for you know quick tips for anyone that might be interested in getting better at accents First of all, it's just listening. So if you want to get better at an accent, just find someone to listen to. YouTube is in this incredible resource, podcasts, audiobooks, and just listen to someone who has the accent that you want to learn. And then second is to just practice because it's like learning a dance, but with your tongue and your lips and your teeth. And so you have to to learn a new dance because we have been doing a certain accent pattern for however many years we've been speaking. And so it's really hard to find a new muscle memory, a new pattern, but it's like a workout. You've just got to practice those sounds. And I think really being specific about that practice will be really, really helpful. And so allowing yourself also to be bad at the accent at first is really important because none of us start with an accent being exceptional at it, we all have to start somewhere. That's interesting. You said that I, I, I can't remember where I read this quote, but I really liked it. And the quote said, uh, acting is being comfortable failing in front of people. And this kind of exactly. sounds like something similar to what you were saying. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. So you've done, you've done a lot of study in, in, uh, in as far as dialects and stuff like that from, from, like you said, San Diego and stuff like that. You've been doing this for quite a long time. Is there a limit to the kind of dialects that you will actually work with and stuff like that? Are there specific dialects that you specialize in or will you work with any dialect and you just, because of your training, you can work and figure it out? Yeah, the training really allows you to be able to pick up any accent and to research it and dissect it and learn it. But I think also every accent coach kind of has their rep, right? You have the accents that you've got in your back pocket that you've taught a lot. And then you have accents that you're less familiar with and you might pass on to another coach who specializes a bit more in those accents and might be more useful to the actor. So it's it's a give and take. Absolutely. I could sit down with any accent. If you give me enough time, I'll be able to teach it to someone. But there's definitely ones that are higher up on my list of, you know, if you ask me to do it tomorrow, I can do it. Who was like a teacher that maybe really inspired you or really got you excited about accents? Can you think of anyone? Yeah, so definitely it was the first time I was doing accents. We did Irish accents and we'd used the beauty queen of Lanan. And it was Eva Barnes, who is a wonderful accent coach. And I believe she's still teaching at UC San Diego and she works a lot in the San Diego area. And she really kind of pointed it out to me that because I had a linguistics background, that I was quite good at transcribing the accent and doing some of the tasks that they were doing. But for whatever reason, it didn't click with me then that that was what I was going to end up doing. But I think she saw it in me. And I look back at that and uh, yeah, laugh because I think she probably knew that that's where I was going to end up. But I didn't yet. Are most of your jobs done like like you did here, like via Internet? Or do you do most of your jobs actually in person? And what do you prefer? What's more effective? Yeah, it really depends. So I do do a lot of Zoom, especially if it's one-to-one coaching sessions. And even for a film, a lot of the prep, so anything that happens before the film starts, you do that on Zoom. But then once the production is going, you often do a lot in person. And I think there is something really special about being in person. And there's something that really allows you to see how they're working in the space and it allows you to feel a little bit more part of that team so you don't feel like this lonely 
uh, you know, kind of ethereal, you know, just on the edges of the, the project. So being in person, I think, allows you to feel part of the team. But what's amazing is that I didn't get to see the Beauty Queen of Lanan in person, but I've got this really strong bond with all of the actors. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've made these new, new friends and, you know, they they messaged me and they were telling me all about the run and how well it went. And so it's really amazing that you can have these really deep bonds and really effective coaching over Zoom which I think if you had told me that two years ago, I probably would have been pretty skeptical because I'm not someone who likes working online. I really like being in person, but I found it so amazing to be able to really fit things into my schedule and to really get the best work out of people and, and find that that time because commuting takes so much time, even within London. So it's really, it's such a, such a godsend, really. What is something you miss about Orange County or even more specifically about orange oh gosh so many things um I really miss I mean the the basic one is the sunshine it is a very rainy over here (laughs) and I really miss just walking around and walking down to old town and all the the random it looks like a a movie set doesn't it it does it does Mm -hmm. and yeah I think growing up there was really magical and and I took it for granted and and getting to go to the beach all the time and the best Mexican food uh you know in Southern California it's just incredible and they don't really do Mexican food in the UK they're they're still you know new to that (laughs) so um (laughs) I really miss those things yeah yeah so if there's anything um, you would like people to know about your profession and you want people to know more about it, or maybe how they can get into it if they're really interested, what would be your advice? If you're interested in doing accent and dialect coaching or voice coaching more generally, there's lots of programs now. There's some programs in the U.S. which are really great. I think they're mostly on the East Coast, kind of Washington, D.C. area, as well as in the U.K. And it's it's just an incredible field. And if you're someone who loves theater and storytelling, but also loves language. It's a great combination of those two things because I love linguistics, but I think I'm not somebody who's suited to work in a lab researching uh, languages and and listening to the same sample over and over again. But if I'm doing that in the context of I'm going to help someone tell a story, it's really, really powerful and, and I really enjoy it. And I think that's the thing that I would want people to take away is actually that accent coaching isn't this rote kind of systematic thing that an actor has to learn how to do. It actually informs their whole character. The way we speak informs the way we see the world and interact with the world, as well as the way we're perceived by the world. And so I think speech work is acting work, which is a quote from, I think, Knight Thompson's speech work, which is actually based in Long Beach. Um, So that's another really great resource for anyone who's interested. 